This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Everybody. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at the uh, Philadelphia Podcast Festival here at the Philly Improv Theater. Andrew, this is our first time doing it in a theater. We've done this show in bars, in classrooms, in random rooms, in, in libraries. Library. <laughs> um, but so we wanted to make sure that we were prepared for the improv show that is about to happen. Right, yeah, because this Philly Improv Theater is definitely improv. We have deep improv roots, obviously. Yes, correct. <laughs> so uh, tacked to a corkboard downstairs is a, a list of improv hosting best practices that we thought we'd just familiarize everybody with. And then once we laid some ground rules, we're going to do a little improv for everybody. Yes, yes. It's going to be really uh, good. In case you don't know, we're going to read the... Well, we're not going to read it together for an hour. Um, I'm going to read a selection of Redwall to you, and you'll take a nap, uh, by Brian Jakes. <laughs> but first, Andrew, uh, thanks to the Philly Improv Theater for posting these helpful guidelines downstairs. Yeah, okay, first thing, energy. Have it, exude it, share it. <laughs> Second thing, project. They need to be able to hear you in the whole space. Positivity. Never say nothing negative. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, be gender neutral. Use folks, etc., instead of ladies and gentlemen. I like that. Welcome, Thanks, folks. folks. Uh, and, and make it your own. I'm giving you permission to use the script as a guideline, Andrew. Just hit the major point. I can do that. And then the last one I want to share is no bits. <laughs> You're there to serve the show, not be the show. Yeah. No prepared bit. No. Well, here's our prepared bit. Oops. Uh-huh. Here's the improv we've prepared for everybody. Here's the, we have cooked you up this improv, um, but we need some ingredients from the audience. We need a location. And filled up. Andrew, can you like offer your guidelines for locations? I was just like, I, I want it to be specific. Think like a building and not like a country or a city. I like Dunkin' Donuts. I heard Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> All right, I'm, I need, I, I need an occupation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, I heard Gravedigger. Great. And, and you're going to need to stretch your, your mental muscles with this one. I need a food, probably not donuts. Onion rings? Onion rings. I think we're going to go with onion rings. Now, okay, Andrew, so we're going to bring this around <laughs> to wait, books somehow. I just wait. typed onion rings down here. <laughs> onion, rings. Um, onion rings. Okay, now what? Okay, he- hello. I'm a grave digger in a Dunkin' Donuts, and I just work the graveyard shift. <laughs> Welcome. Every shift is a graveyard shift at the graveyard. <laughs> Welcome to my Dunkin' Donuts. We're all out of donuts. Oh, no. What other round foods do you have? <laughs> onion rings. And scene. Thank you. Great. <laughs> Thank you for helping us cook an improv. It was, that's how improv would do. That's, oh, man. Do you want to do the book? So each week on the show, one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it. 
Um, sometimes that other person has read the book. Uh-huh. Sometimes they have not. You have read Red Wall. I read Red Wall. <laughs> Do your as theater work. As a kid, I read like the first 12 books in the series as oh. a kid. The first twelve. There are twenty. There are twenty-two. Oh gosh! And they were published between what was it, like nineteen eighty-six and uh, twenty eleven when he died. The last one was yes. po- published posthumously. But, sure. Now yeah. tell me about the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Jakes. Uh, James Brian Jakes, who went by Brian because his dad and his brother were also named James. Seems like a which, good reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was born and lived in Liverpool. Sure. And he got his start as a writer. When he was in school, as a 10-year-old, he wrote a story about animals that was so good that his teacher caned him because he would not admit to having plagiarized it, which he didn't do. (laughs) Whoa! So he went off and became a professional writer, like, right away then, right? No, that's not what <laughs> He was not actually. discouraged at all. No, so he, um, he left school, and he, he had a lot of jobs. He was a stand-up comic, mm. he was a truck driver, a longshoreman, a merchant seaman, a police officer, mm-hmm. and a milk delivery man. A milk delivery man? He, he delivered milk to this, people. So this was in, like, the mid-20th century, mm-hmm. I yeah, presume. Right, right, right. Okay. And um, so he, he wrote Redwall originally for some, um, some blind kids who he, he worked with. Or maybe he delivered milk I think to he them. Delivered I think he delivered milk to the kids. <laughs> I think he had it's other roots, group. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just deliver milk to that school. But yeah, so he, he wrote the, the first book, and it was, like, he showed it to a teacher and mentor he'd had for a long time. What, did he, who, like, 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 don't hit me, like, here's my book? <laughs> no, I don't think this was the one was the one who caned him. Okay. <laughs> just good. Different teacher. Um, and the teacher took it to his publisher... And then the publisher was like, here's a contract for five books. <laughs> Whoa. So we did pretty good. So that's how you get into publishing, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this happened when he was like, this is the first book was published when he was 47, mm-hmm. I think, or something mm-hmm. like that. So guys, you can do anything. You can do anything. You can change your life at any time. He's an inspiration, Brian Jakes. You shouldn't act like somebody who's 47 is like on death's door. No, no. <laughs> His life was over. He was 47. No, we're just... <laughs> We're just all conditioned that, like, you made a bunch of choices in your 20s, and then you just have to live with them for 60 years. Uh-huh. Like, you can, you can be whatever you want, Brian Jakes, mm-hmm. and then, like, and then write a was. story for kids. Yeah. You can only ever write stories about animals, so apparently. <laughs> yeah, like, the topics they'll let you write about slowly dwindle after you pass 30 Write years what you old. know. Um, Did you hear about his BBC radio show? I did not hear about it. He had a BB radio, a BB, a BB radio, a BBC radio show, BB <laughs> radio show. Uh, called Jakestown. <laughs> Forget it, China. It's Jakestown. Uh, and this is from the Wikipedia summary of Jakestown. Jakestown was a radio show hosted by Brian Jakes on BBC Radio Merseyside. One regular feature of this show concerned, quote, the mystery tenor, which allowed Brian to <laughs> indulge in his great enjoyment of tenor voices. So he wasn't a tenor, he just liked tenor voices. (laughs) Who's this tenor? It's a mystery. (laughs) Uh, Brian Jakes retired from radio in October 2006, and Jakestown is no more, it says in the Wikipedia article. Until 100 years from now when it reappears on the airwaves. Coming soon to Netflix, Jakestown. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do you know? Do you want to tell me about Redwall or Brian Jakes before Uh, we dive in? I want to tell you a little bit about Redwall. Like I said, it's a 22-book franchise. Sure. Um, So he, he... it is. It all exists along one timeline. Like it's, you can arrange the books of Redwall in chronological order and follow like characters and groups of characters and and threads 
through all the books. Okay. Um, he used to, like, in the first half of the series, he would jump around a lot. But then starting in, like, 2001, the chronological order and the publishing order became the same. I guess he just got tired of keeping things straight. <laughs> sure. Did he um, care a lot about keeping things straight? I don't know. Because <laughs> you only read the first 12. You don't yeah, know what happens right. in the back half. No, I mean, what, what would happen usually is um, there would be like one or two characters from the previous book sure, who were like sure. young and hale and having adventures. And then in the next book, they'd be like old. And you'd be like, oh, that's that's where I am in the timeline. It would help okay, you place that it. That makes sense. But it wouldn't be like this next time on Redwall. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was adapted into like a cartoon series mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that probably did happen. And I know they made like... They made in several audiobooks, which he was like heavily involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, what, anything else? Um, so I have some interviews. I found a lot of okay. interviews with him. He says, so the Redwall books are about animals, mice and squirrels and moles and hares and maybe one or two otters and like maybe a couple other things. Things you might find in rural England. Rural. Um, and, and so th- those are the heroes of Redwall. And he says, uh, mice are my heroes because like children, mice are little and have to learn to be courageous and use their wits. They have to learn to, not they are. Yeah. That's why. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I don't know that I feel the same way about mice. This is our third live show talking about animals, animals doing who stuff. kill each other. Uh, and I... Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. So, so the original book, keep in mind, it was written with blind kids in mind, and so a lot of the language oh. is very um, descriptive. Like uh, he talks about smell a lot and and sound and he all does kinds talk of about different sound a lot. Yeah. like environmental things. And so, like that's because of that original intended audience. And then he has a lot of descriptions of food and fighting that were sort of inspired by his early childhood growing up in a flattened to the ground by World War II Liverpool. Yeah. So they didn't have have a lot of food, so he would just, like, imagine food. Yeah, we're going to talk about the food a little later on. It's Mm -hmm. sumptuous. There's a lot (laughs) of it. There's more of it than you would think with mice involved. Hey, Andrew, I've, I hear you got some theories about Redwall. I do have some theories about Redwall, and I'm about to tell you them on the in the live show that we're on in the middle of that we're interrupting. Have you recorded? Have you like put them anywhere for people to find, though? Like, have you- I haven't. No, they're just on these post-it notes on my corkboard connected with threads of red yarn. Well, maybe you could take pictures of that corkboard and put it on a website with okay. Squarespace. Ooh, Squarespace, you say? Yeah, Squarespace is sponsoring us this week. They will help you, Andrew, create a beautiful website out of your conspiracy theories. Um, they will also help you blog <laughs> or publish Redwall content, um, That as long as it's not copyright, as long as it's fair use. Um, they will help you sell products and services of all kinds. Services? Yeah. like Whoa. Maybe you people could hire you to speak the truth about Redwall. And to come up with Redwall fan theories. That's the service that I provide. And you can do this, make this website using uh, Squarespace's beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Um, You can sell your books about Redwall uh, using their e-commerce functionality. (laughs) Can you? Fair use? Well, if you're publishing, like, the truth behind, like, an expose... Probably. It's like journalism. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> it's all optimated for optimized, optimized yep. <laughs> for mobile right out of the box. 
and they've got built-in search engine optimization so people can find your stuff after you make it. Um, Andrew, anything else that you want to say about Squarespace? They got nothing to patch or upgrade ever, and they have 24-7 award-winning customer support, which are two things that I demand of every service that I buy. Andrew also demands it of all his friends. Yeah, no, <laughs> no patches. <laughs> I am not dealing with Craig Service Pack 2 again. That was terrible. You also, thank God I have award-winning customer support also. <laughs> uh, we also make... Her name is Laura. <laughs> we make our websites on Squarespace. We can't endorse them uh, enough because we use them every day. Uh, yeah. Squarespace, to do this, to use it, go to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue uh, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash overdue. Strike for Squarespace. <laughs> yeah, and I've never read these books mm-hmm. before. I knew a kid in elementary school who loved Redwall. Johnny Redwall. Yeah, that was his name. That's what we <laughs> called him. Um, and now, and I found out that you read all the Redwall books. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Not all of them. A lot of them. Of them. Um, who here, I can't, I won't be able to see hands, but who here has read Redwall? Not as many hands as I might like. Think. Half there's the some hands. in the there's ghosts in the back who have read Redwall. Um, so yeah, this is um, the there. It's uh, as this book tells me, over 20 million copies have been sold. And of just that book, or uh, of all the books, probably just this. How book. in depth is that <laughs> cover quote? I don't know. It just <laughs> says over 20 million copies sold, and then Redwall where legends are made. Uh-huh. So we're gonna make some legends here today. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book opens with a bumbly rat named Matthias. Right. Who, no, he's a mouse. Matthias oh, excuse is a me. mouse. I got carried away. He's a mouse. The book is very, 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 very specific. Yeah, no, I made of, a crucial what kind error. Of animals can be good and bad. Yes. So we'll talk about that a little yes, bit too. Yes, he is. Well, I wrote down mouse. Ma- oh, man. My notes are a mess. Good notes. Um, hey, Craig, how's your notes? Is they're okay. Idiot. Um, <laughs> Uh, a bumbly mouse named Matthias, you know he's a mouse because his name starts with M, um, who is an apprentice at Redwall Abbey, and we are in the summer of the late rose. An apprentice of what? I don't know. <laughs> okay. He wears little clothes. He trips over his little but too big for him sandals. Um, he works for an abbot named Mortimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just learning to be a mouse. He's just learning he's to be... He's apprenticed to be the next mouse. The after next all mouse. The new mice. <laughs> um, and the, the events of this book will be known in Redwall canon as the Late Rose Summer Wars. Uh, they name all their seasons after, like, flowers that happened that time. Um, <laughs> and Redwall Abbey is some sort of church-slash-castle that is led by our man Mortimer. Uh, the mice live there, and sometimes their friends, like Constance the Badger, come by... Mm-hmm. It is unclear what it is an abbey of, uh, if there is a religion, um, if, they, if the mice built... Now, some of you who've read other Redwall books might be able to answer these questions. But for today, we're going to put a jar around all of that, uh, a bell jar, as it were. Um, except, when I don't, except when I have other information. That's that fine. That's fine. That's fine. The animals did build it. Okay, because it is <laughs> unclear in the context of Redwall, it is unclear if it is like mankind left their church behind and all the mice moved in. Uh-huh. Um, they, there's a man named, well, not a man, a mouse, um, <laughs> named John Church Mouse, and he lives... <laughs> guess where he lives? 
at St. Ninian's Church, mm-hmm. which is a real saint, though we don't know who St. Ninian actually was, but it's a real saint from Scotland, huh. the Scottish lowlands. Okay. And was he a mouse or? No, <laughs> unclear. Um, but like it begs a lot of questions. Wh- where did the churches come from? Mm-hmm. In this book, who built it? Mm-hmm. Who makes their clothes? So the fun thing about humans in the Redwall universe, which is a subject I've just decided we're going to crack open and tackle Let's head on. Let's do it right now. Is, so Brian Jakes has said, no, there are no humans. My first book, Redwall, did mention the horse and cart. There's a horse and a cart that appears. Yep. And there's like a church and stuff. But no humans are ever in the stories, and I don't intend that they should ever be. I think that's boring. Yeah. I think that's a boring explanation. Well, the biggest stumbling block for me, and we'll check these as we go along through the story, is that it's unclear how big stuff is. Uh-huh. <laughs> because you don't know if humans or mice made it. Brian Jakes also has an important piece of information. Well, on hit that. me, Brian Jakes. The Abbey is as big or as small as you want it to be in your imagination. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Like if I <laughs> when did, is Brian Jakes the dad from Calvin? Like what a <laughs> jerk! Oh my God! Yeah. So like, okay. The, let's get into the plot a little bit. Okay. So we, we're going to revisit this size. And then issue. when we go back to the end, I want to circle back to my theory about what actually happened to the humans oh, in the Redwall universe because I'm a Redwall humanity truther. <laughs> So the mice are, like, living together in their abbey. They're hanging out with their friends, the badger and the other cool rodents, right? Um, <laughs> and the abbot's having a big feast because summer's great. They catch a fish and carry it back to their abbot with the help of Constance Badger. And I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is a fish a person? Brian Jake says no. <laughs> <laughs> They are totally cool just killing and dragging this giant fish back to feed all their mice friends, and they didn't say boo about it. What's the problem? <laughs> Can it... Ta- like this this, is- Was this fish someone's, like, uncle or something? I like, don't know. Did they have a war with the fish? Did they have Did- an underwater abbey that they lived in? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what religion do they, <laughs> do they observe? I yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they never answer the question of, is a fish a person? Um, and so they're having this great feast. There's all this food, um, delicious food. And uh, let me actually, I'm going to describe some of this food to you. Describe me some food. So Tell me about some food. All these I fish, just had pizza, so I'm not hungry. But okay. tell everybody else about some food. Um, well, here's what Abbot Mortimer says. He does say grace before the meal. To who? I don't No. Uh, fur and whisker, tooth and claw, all who enter by our door. Nuts and herbs, leaves and fruits, berries, tubers, plants and roots. Silverfish whose life we take only for a meal to make. And everyone says, amen. And then they start <laughs> digging into this fish. So you can't kill a fish just because. No. You, you can have, only kill it because you're super hungry. And you have to use all the parts of the fish. Okay. Um, and then... Uh, Brother Alf remarked that Friar Hugo had uh, had excelled himself. Tender freshwater shrimp garnished with cream and rose leaves. Deviled barley pearls in acorn puree. Apple and and carrot (laughs) juice. Marinated cabbage stalks steeped in cream white turnip with nutmeg. A chorus of oohs and ahs greeted the arrival of six mice pushing a big trolley. This is the best blue apron box I've ever (laughs) 
And then the P, the piece de resistance is grayling a la Redwall, which is the big fish. Is that the fish? Yeah, it's a good job, Friar Hugo. He's a he's a good chef. So um, is, the, is the fish fish sized? Yes. Because the badger has to carry it. Yeah, they can only eat it because they're friends with a badger. So they have a big, like a full size human oven. Like I a guess big, a big fish oven in their abbey. Can you imagine? That would be like you and me trying to eat a whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm up for it. Are I you? only my grill. You cannot put a whale on my grill. <laughs> it's not that big. Mm-hmm. I got it for like eighty dollars. It's not a big. <laughs> so they're having this this wonderful feast, and everyone's doing an eyeing over the food, and uh, we cut in like the next chapter to this barreling horse cart. Mm-hmm. Filled with hundreds of rats. Uh-huh. It is pulled by a horse, mm-hmm. no driver. Um, and the horse can't talk. No one's talking to the horse. And there is an evil rat, um, a Portuguese water rat. You Does know, this you land? Know about them Portuguese water rats. Well, but like, are we in the real world? Yeah, Mr. Jakes. It's yeah, like the humans don't exist, but they're still a Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> and this rat lived there and got tattoos, <laughs> and he's riding on a horse cart into town, and it's filled with hundreds of rats and other evil animals. Mm-hmm. And he rolls into town, and they like he like jumps on the back of the horse, and he scares it, and it crashes into a post, and then all the rats tumble out, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna conquer this land." Mm-hmm. And they roll up to Redwall, and then, like, such is the the conflict of the book is Clooney the Scourge, who until now has... Came from Portugal. Came to... from Portugal to conquer this abbey that he just learned about. Uh, and he wants it, because it's got cool walls, and he can put a throne in it or something. Uh-huh. Um, and he's going to take it from these dumb mice who never want to join his army, and they're weak anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and his army is a dope mess of conniving evil animals. Um, So we're going to talk about good versus evil animals in a second, but Mm -hmm. Andrew, to introduce the army, I have prepared a quiz for you. Okay. Um, Are you familiar with the heavy metal band Guar? (laughs) I I am. For those of you who are not, Guar is an American heavy metal band from Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) That features a rotating lineup of musicians collectively known as Slave Pit Incorporated. They all perform in costume as part of their sci-fi demon mythos, though they will incorporate social and political satire and often spray the audience with fake bodily fluids. Their first album was called... What? Their first album was called Hello, spelled Hell-O. Their third and fourth albums, America Must Be Destroyed and This Toilet Earth, are especially resonant today. So, okay, what, how does this get back to Redwall? Well, um, so here are, I'm going to name a character from uh, Clooney's army uh-huh. uh, or a character from Guar, <laughs> and you're going to tell me which you think it is, dis or dat style. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Easy ones first. Cheese Thief. Rat. Yeah, okay. Sawborg. Guar. <laughs> yes, backing vocals. Uh, Steven Sphincter. Guar. Correct. <laughs> Fangburn. Ooh, Guar again. Clooney's army. Dang, okay. Scumnose. <laughs> That's a rat again. That's a rat. Beefcake. Guar. Correct. <laughs> Skullface. Oh, this is hard. This is a hard. Um, rat. That is a rat. Nice. Good job. Uh, bone snapper. <laughs> guar. That is Guar. Backing vocals. Uh, Blothar. <laughs> what? 
Jaguar? Yeah. <laughs> Rajar. A uh, rat. That's a rat. Ballsack, the jaws of death. Definitely a rat. That's Guar. He's rhythm and vocals. Okay. <laughs> Wait, rhythm what? Rhythm and vocal. Rhythm guitar. Okay. <laughs> He's just up there doing rhythm. <laughs> you did a pretty good job. I wasn't Thanks. keeping score, but you aced it. Oh, good. Great. Hey. Thanks, so let's talk about good versus evil okay. animals in the Redwall universe. Okay. Um, this is all in a section under my notes called, Is Redwall Racist? Yeah. So when they start talking about, when the Redwall animals learn that Clooney is in town, not George Clooney, Clooney the Scourge, um, they are like, oh, is he even real? He's a legend. And they're like, no, I saw him on the road. He's evil. Um, Constance the Badger <laughs> says, my Badger senses told me right off that those were very bad and evil rats. And the Badger statement caused uproar and shouts of, nonsense, pure speculation, and that's right, give a rat a bad name. It's like this really awful town hall this situation. Weird rally. <laughs> um, and Abby's practice is to be very peaceful and only fight if necessary. But of course, over the Red Wall canon, they, have, they, are, they are morally good and morally evil animals. Correct. Um, so do you want me to run down the list? Do I've you just, have a list? I, so I've, you do the list, and then I've got some quotes from Jake's about what he says about why, I don't know, why some animals are just innately always evil. And, and you will notice there's like an aesthetic sorting going on, mm-hmm. right? As, as most, I think, like animal cartoons have. So the mice, they're good. Badgers, good. Bats, good. Uh, they're just dor- mice with wings. <laughs> uh <laughs> Door mice, which are just like fat mice, they're good. Um, <laughs> hares, good. We meet a hare named Basil Stag Hare later. Um, hedgehogs, we meet Ambrose Spike, great name. Uh, moles, whose name is Formal. Uh, otters, rabbits, and seals are all cool. Uh, shrews are cool, but in this book, they're some sort of like militant communist collective. Um, called the gorilla, what is it? It's the gorilla, it's like gorilla shrew something. Gorilla union of shrews in moss wood or meadow moss wood, flower. Moss flower, yeah. Um, and thanks, Susanna, in the audience. Um, <laughs> squirrels and voles. Those are all your good animals. Okay. Evil animals are cats, mm-hmm. um, ferrets, mm-hmm. foxes. Mm-hmm. Even though they're kind of wild cards, rats, reptiles, and lizards. Stoats, which is just a different kind of weasel. Yeah, did you know that in Ireland they call regular weasels least weasels? <laughs> hey, now, because well, you got to rate them from a scale of least to most weasel. Uh, and then weasels are and also then regular evil. weasels. Um, yeah. And then there are there happen to be birds, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, fish, I put not generally people. Uh, and then bees. There are bees in this book. Some characters aspire to talk to them, and at one point they are used as a weapon. So, Whoa, yeah, I don't know like what... like a gun with, that shoots bees? No, it's like a... <laughs> they, at one point, uh, a squirrel drops a barrel of bees onto some rats. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's good. Like medieval So what does Jake have yeah. to say about why this is cool? Okay, so um, he says of animals in general, kids are more drawn to animal characters than human. They know what a dirty rat is. Um, in, res- in response to the question, why do you make mice, squirrels, otters, and badgers good, and foxes, rats, and ferrets, and such bad? How do you decide which are good and which are bad? 
He says, the bad creatures are those which are traditionally bad in European folklore and have come to be regarded as sly or mean or evil. The good creatures are mostly small and defenseless with the exception of the badgers. Okay. so he Which is a pretty big exception. It's a pretty big exception. Uh, He is also basically saying, like, it's not my fault. Other people came up with it. It's like, yeah, it's rooted in history. I'm not here to subvert anything. That's why Spider-Man has to be white every time. Yeah. And Brian Jakes and Stan Lee gonna get along with it. <laughs> um, no, that's Stan Lee's fine. But yeah, so so this 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 doesn't come up so much in in Redwall, but in later books in the series, he kind of plays with that a little bit. He has like a ferret who's brought up within Redwall, but then ultimately still ends up being a jerk. No, and then an otter who's like a jerk, but then he ends up having a heart of gold at the end. So it's oh. very like. There's there are a couple instances where he where he plays with it, but mostly it's very hard and fast. Like rats bad, mice good, etc. Like, uh, junk science. Yeah, <laughs> I don't and I, I it. like I guess I get his his explanation, but it does feel it just doesn't feel great. No, no. To have doesn't. what someone is dictate what they are. Yes, that feels bad. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the context of a, of an adventure story like this, it's um, kind of we don't know if. The humans, if they existed, had phones or not. We don't know where we are in the Industrial Revolution. There's horse carts and abbeys, I guess. Um, but and Portugal and Portugal. <laughs> hey, that's a good. That's a hold useful. on. I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna look up who invented Portugal. Um, the the pros of like clean good and evil lines are re- like really apparent in this book because like. Um, you know, if you're talking about what goodness is, like characters who take care of each other, characters who look out for one another, characters who are willing to risk something for someone else. Like, that happens time and time again. It's almost exclusively the mice and the badger doing it. <laughs> um, the rats and the ferrets and the stoats, they're all evil. They backbite and backstab each other all the time. They're very distrustful and cruel, and all of their ambition is very selfish. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're looking at it as a teaching morality devoid of the like you are a ferret so you are evil part but the like (laughs) what is like good moral behavior versus what is kind of chaotic evil moral behavior sure i think on the alignment yeah that that works fine in a kid's book but the con i have listed is what we've talked about which is you have literally sorted moral qualities and values based on species which is not great uh portugal was founded in 868 and was refounded in 1095 Okay. The Pope recognized it in 1179. I don't know that any of this helps us. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay. It does not. But there's some, uh, there's some Portugal facts. Um, so let's get into the story of the book, okay. right? Did you want me to share tales of good rats? Because you asked me to look some up. Yeah, are there any good rats in history that we should know about? Because rats are getting a bad... Give a rat a good name. Pizza rat, number one. Oh. Best rat. Um, there are... There, so I read a 2014 CNN story, and I believe they're still being used for this. But there are rats in Africa, in Mozambique, who have uh, helped clear the country of landmines by sniffing them out. Because even though the rats over there are the size of cats, they're still too light to set off a landmine. Oh, God. So they go find landmines, and then they can also detect uh, tuberculosis in blood samples by scent. Huh. Yeah. What do they do? they go, mmm. See, this is the... I, <laughs> Get that looked at. I feel like they just squeak. About it. Okay, like Susanna if, theorized that, that it was pretty easy to tell when a rat found a mine, but they don't set the mines off. So I guess they just squeak about it. Or they like go over there, they go away from it. Maybe if you like set a flock of rats a flock of, yeah, over sure. a minefield, they would like move around the mines. Mm, maybe. A scurry of rats. Thanks, Margaret. Um, but yeah, so, so rats, good? 
They could be. Not in this book. Let's get back to these dirty rats. Uh Um, So Clooney the Scourge starts having dreams, um, both like good dreams of himself crushing and ruling Redwall. Same. And... Of some mystical hero who's going to stop him. Now, the thing about uh, what little mythology that the mice of Redwall explicitly have uh, is centered around this warrior mouse named Martin, mm-hmm. um, who was apparently wonderful, so wonderful that they made a tapestry of him. He had this amazing sword that has since been lost. Name starts with an M, obviously, because he's a mouse. Correct. Um, and Matthias is like, man, it'd be cool to be Martin. And in the beginning of the book, Mortimer is like, nah, we don't need to fight. But like, if we do, a Martin will show up. <laughs> You'll get a Martin. We'll get a Martin somehow. Mm-hmm. So Clooney is here to uh, siege Redwall. He does that cool thing where he does like a parlay where he comes in and like scopes out Redwall. It's a really uh-huh. smart move. Because they're like, like he let is him invited in. in to yes. okay. He's like, I'm gonna take your Abby, and they're like, Come in on and talk about it. Just come on in, talk yeah. about it. It's not gonna happen. Just come and talk about it. <laughs> and he comes in. He's like, No, I'm gonna take your stuff. I'm gonna take this place. He sees Martin on the wall, and he's like, mm, I'm gonna take that later. Uh, and the abbot is like, get out of here. You're a jerk. Constance, the badger, flips a table, and all the mice are like, no one could flip a table but a badger. <laughs> and then they kick, they kick Clooney and his entourage uh, out of the walls of Redwall Abbey, and Constance drops garbage on them from the top of the wall. Constance <laughs> rules. Um, and so then Clooney does a couple things. He captures a family of voles, mm-hmm. um, he sends his rat weasel friend named Shadow in. Is it a rat or a weasel? They don't know. Whoa. He's, he only moves under the cover of night, and his fur is so black you can't even see what he is. He's evil, though. Of course. His name is Shadow. Because he's a rat or a weasel, and both of those are evil. <laughs> yes. Um, so he goes in uh, in the middle of the night, and he tries to take the tapestry. He like punches Matthias in the face, rips the tapestry off the wall, and as he's about to jump over the wall, Constance punches him in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he falls to his death, but Clooney still gets the tapestry. Mm-hmm. Um, too late, mouse, Shadow said. Martin is with Clooney now. <gasps> yeah. And so all the, all the mice are like, oh, no, they're wrecking our house. Isn't there oh, also no. some old mouse that he, like, kills? Meth- Wait a second. I haven't even talked about Methuselah yet. Well, it's your fault. We're like halfway I, through I, the I book. I know. <laughs> So this ha- a, a, something happens in response to this attack uh, and the vole capture, which happens a couple of times throughout the book, where Matthias, who's like laid up in a bed or is supposed to be doing something else, supposed to be helping Redwall, is like, I'm going to sneak away and like do my own thing. And I'm not going to tell anybody about it, which is, I don't, does that make you a hero or an idiot? I don't know. I just didn't think about Bo Bergdahl. <laughs> Why can't? No! Why are you thinking of serial season two? He keeps wandering off for reasons that he thinks are noble, but might actually be stupid. (laughs) This season... Blink, 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 blink. This season on serial. Mm -hmm. Matthias Mouse. (laughs) Um, So he goes, and he goes to get the voles back, uh, where he meets Basil Stag Hare, who is a hare who was born, and they named him Basil, but he likes stag so much that he baptized himself stag. Mm -hmm. He had witnesses. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and also references an army that he served in. Unclear. So bap- baptism. Yeah, that baptism. Thing armed too. forces. <laughs> um, he helps Matthias with the rescue mission. Uh, they get the voles back. In that moment, we also one of the rats gets eaten by a snake named Asmodeus. Whoa. 
who only says his name like a Pokemon. <laughs> and he goes around. And usually what happens in the book is like one of the rats gets left out alone after a fight. And you know that that rat is evil. And then like Asmodeus shows up. Asmodeus. And then he eats him. So this is like a Chekhov's snake sort of situation <laughs> yes. where you know this snake is going to go off in the third act. But you don't know. It's true. For what reason or on who. Correct. Okay. And while Matthias is gone, the first siege of Redwall takes place. Um, and it culminates in this elite group of rats climbing a tree and trying to sneak over the wall. Um, and Constance Badger, like, knocks their plank away, and Clooney falls and gets hurt. He gets mm-hmm. put on the DL for three weeks. <laughs> and um, they also... Cheese Thief makes his appearance. Mm-hmm. And he's a rat... What does he do? He's a rat on the rise. He wants to be in charge, and he's jealous of this cool weasel named Scrag. And did, he, did his mom name him Cheese Thief, or is, did he get that I'm, nickname for Thief and Cheese? Well, the, yeah, like, who... I had rats. You're named Fangbone, and you're Scumnose. Uh-huh. You're Guar. You're like, like Balsack the <laughs> Impaler or whatever. Unclear. Um, Cheese Thief hates that this weasel is like getting all sorts of attention from Clooney. So after the weasel falls out of the tree, Cheese Thief just goes up and ices him and just takes care of him. Okay. And Matthias, who is returned with the help of a tiny squirrel named Silent Sam, who sucks his thumb all the time. Um, when you mentioned <laughs> when you mentioned that um, the book was written with this school of blind students in mind, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of auditory stuff around the squirrel sucking his thumb uh-huh. all the time. I guess that's Can fine. You give me some examples, um, please. I don't know that I have a Silent Sam bit. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. No bits. It's improv. Oh, good one. <laughs> Nice. Uh, but they see this this rat just, like, kind of ice this weasel. And this is kind of the, like, recurring theme of Clooney's army kind of eating its own tail. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the middle of the book, uh, Matthias is like, yo, we need a warrior. We need, I need to, like, find Martin's sword. Because if we had Martin's magic sword, we could win this war like, for good. what if it's still around and we just, like, forgot where no it is? No one knows where it is. And old man Methuselah, he's not a man, he's a mouse. Um, he found beneath the ripped tapestry a poem, which is actually a riddle. Uh, wow, that they... it's hidden in the last place you'd expect. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath the tapestry of the guy yes. is a hint about his legendary sword. Uh, at one point, Matthias's love interest, Cornflower, walks in, and she's like, how are you guys doing? I brought you some like wine that I made somehow because I'm a mouse. And Methuselah is like, go away, pretty mouse. You're distracting my friend Matthias. Like, Get out of this room. The men are thinking. Um, it's really weird. Uh, and the, the thing to remember from this poem is that the phrase, uh, they use it to like solve like this kind of like scavenger hunt of where Martin's body is. You think you'd know where the body of your hero mouse is. They have to find it. Um, <laughs> but the phrase Martin, I am that is, like crops up a couple of times. And Methuselah is like, ah. Oh, I am that is. That's just Matthias all jumbled up. Ooh, Martin, Matthias, Mar- Matthias, Martin, who are you? You could be the hero. What face are you making? I'm just making a, that is a big logical leap big face. Lo- well, it works though. <laughs> okay. The letters are there. All right. So Matthias is like, me. okay, I can be the new Martin if I find his tomb, if I find his swords and stuff. Uh, and then so we get two parallel stories, one of Matthias hunting for the equipment. It takes him all over the abbey. He has to go on the roof of the abbey and like fight a king sparrow named King Bull, which is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, he captures a, a young sparrow named Warbeak, 
uh, on the way to do so, and he like gets like chained up, and it's like King Bull's like this mad king who's like kind of enslaved his people, mm-hmm. and Matthias has to free them. Wait, so there's this whole separate culture of sparrows living on the roof of the abbey, and they don't even know about no, it. No, they they know, but like the sparrows are like. They're a savage culture. Like, they don't... Oh, come on. I'm, that's not what it is in the book! <laughs> I'm aware. They, uh, direct quote, sparrows knew nothing of the fire maker's art. They eat all of their food... You mean making fire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they eat all of their food raw, and they call everything a worm, no matter what it is. Um, I'm going to find some Warbeak language for you. Please do. Um, Warbeak, who co- who goes on to become Matthias' friend after he trapped her and used her to navigate back to her home. Yeah, because you have to like subdue the noble savage yep. to mm-hmm. have it respect She does go on to be the blah, queen blah, blah. of her people, which Great. is cool. Great, good. Um, so this is when Warbeak doesn't like Matthias. Um, ha, go on, you killy Warbeak with dagger. Wait, see, you not get King Bull Sparrow with little worm knife. Yeah, those groans. That kind of sucks. Now, then Matthias starts speaking their language back to them, and he speaks in that kind of stunted, not English. It's... I... To be the most charitable, it's Jake's trying to show a language divide. To be the least charitable, it's gross. Well, and so he does, he, like all the, many of the different animals speak with different accents, again, based not on where they're from, but what kind of animal they are. And I think to some extent that mirrors like the actual ways that England is like divided up into different accents and, and yeah. So and when and Basil right? Basil Stag Hair is kind of like a cheerio, capital bung ho, like a duck to water, young fella. Flop me ears if you aren't the best people I've ever had. Like he is, yeah. He's kind of Basil Hair is kind of stressful. Um, Brian Jakes <laughs> Brian Jake says it gives me so much pleasure when you hear students in the schools in America trying to imitate the Somerset Burr of old men <laughs> in little English villages. I remember a time that I was in a school and a little lad came up to me just as the bell rung and he said, "Hello old chap and how are you doing? What what?" and I said, "I'm doing just fine." And he said, "How was that for an English accent?" And I said, "Pretty dreadful." He said, "Oh rats" and ran away. <laughs> I can't tell if I want to hang out with Brian Jakes. He seems like a nice man who just like could have a couple conversations about something. Yeah, you know? maybe. <laughs> um, so he goes up to the sparrows. They don't have the sword, but they do have like the scabbard and the belt. They learn that somehow the snake ended up with the sword. Uh-huh. All these animals love this sword. Um, so the Matthias love swords. They do. Um, so they're just like big teeth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Matthias then, after he like falls off the roof of. Uh, Redwall Abbey, but survives. Um, then the very next day... How he, big is... Again, how big is uh, yeah. anything? Well, Nobody he, like, knows. falls into a pond. They have a pond. Yeah, there's a pond. Yeah. Um, he, like, again, scurries away, uh, even though he's not supposed to, to go off and, f- like, fight this snake and, mm-hmm. and find this sword. Meanwhile, Clooney is trying to recover. Uh, there's a whole interlude where he is getting healed by... Excuse me. Getting healed by this fox. Um... And he ends up killing the fox because she's like a double crosser. And her son, cheese, no, chicken hound, not cheese thief, chicken. It's a real cheese hound. He's a real cheese hound. Chicken hound, um, he escapes to Redwall for sanctuary. And he's like, oh, man, uh, I could steal a whole bunch of cool stuff from here. Mm -hmm. And there's a vignette where he, like, packs his bag full of, like, I guess, 
like fancy goblets or mice goblets yeah, or something. Like candelabras and yeah. fancy and, things. And on his way out, old man Methuselah is like, hey, stop stealing our stuff. And he whacks him with a bag uh-huh. and kills him. Okay. I know. This book doesn't pull punches. If only he had had life alert. Would it be mouse-sized or would it be real It would be a regular (laughs) human-sized life alert system. But don't worry, because you know what happens to Chicken Hound? Um, He probably gets eaten by something. Asmodeus. Oh, yeah, Asmodeus gets him. Uh, So we have the interlude where Matthias is off. He meets this jerk owl named Captain Snow. Again, what is this armed forces that everyone served in? Um, He meets meets the guerrilla union. You just declare yourself a captain. I guess so. He meets the guerrilla union of shrews. Um, He meets the cat squire Julian Gingiver, who's very cultured. He gave up red meat. Okay. He he does not eat mouse. A nice kitty. Um, Yeah, he's an an okay kitty. Um, And uh, Matthias goes with the shrews into a quarry uh, to get the sword back from the snake. While this is happening, of course, Redwall's under siege. Right. Uh, Clooney, at this point, goes full Saturday morning cartoon villain. He has multiple plans, and none of them work out. (laughs) It's like he's uh, the... The coyote? Sort of like the coyote. I was also thinking um, Megatron from the Transformers. Okay, sure. They're the same. (laughs) Um, so the one is he's going to take uh, a battering ram and he's going to knock down the big door of Redwall. Again, how big is this door? We don't know. Um, and like I said, Silent Sam drops bees on them. And then uh, they also drop vegetable oil on the battering ram so they can't pick up the battering ram. Mm. Pretty good. How big are the bees? We don't know. Um, Clooney has his bros take the horse cart and build a siege tower out of it. Right. And they get to the wall, and Cornflower is carrying a lantern as she's, like, it's going just, around. It is just wild to me that he brings up this horse cart so many times. <laughs> and then later he's like, no, humans didn't exist. Shut up. They weren't. <laughs> At one point, the mice are drinking goat's milk. Who milked the goat? Where'd this goat go? Where does the cheese come from? Like a mouse? (laughs) Mouse cheese? Map that on your own life and try to live. (laughs) No, I won't. Um, So he builds the siege tower. And this this is one of the more violent things that happens in the book. So, uh, because fire is a no-go zone as a weapon um, in this universe. Is it like a mouse Geneva convention? It is. (laughs) Dictates the use of fire. It's true. It's true. so Cornflower is, is startled by the siege tower. She throws her lantern at it. It shatters on top, drenching the dead wood in lamp oil. Instantly, the flames licked hungrily over the platforms, turning it into an, an inferno. Over 30 rats were in the high reaches of the burning tower. Many more were in the middle and still more on the lower frames. Rats were kicking and fighting each other to get down from the blazing tower. They bit and trampled and slashed. Some jumped while others were pushed, screaming as they fell to the field far below. Wow, so Cornflower did a war crime. Yes! <laughs> they taught, well, because then the abbot's like, thank goodness it didn't spread to the woods. Otherwise, we'd all be screwed. (laughs) Is that what he said? Basically. (laughs) True, no side uses fire as a weapon. Not even Clooney, the badger says. And that's true. Clooney never never breaks the accord. Even as the moss flower accord. Um, And then the other other tactic that he has is he's hired all of his weasels and ferrets to dig tunnels under Mm -hmm. the red walls, red wall walls. 
Um, and wh- here's, God, here's what they do. Okay. <laughs> they fill a bunch of vats of boiling water, mm-hmm. and they've used uh, mole technology to know where the t- tunnel's going to be uh, through, like, listening. They put, like, a cup to the ground and, like, listen to it, mm-hmm. and they can tell where the hole's going to be. And when um, the rat comes out, uh, the rat named Dark Claw. Uh, Dark Claw did not even get a chance to scream out a death cry. Boiling water cascaded down over his head in a hissing, steaming deluge. The force of the rushing water sent his body plummeting back down the hall. Hole. Endless gallons of scalding water hit the rats in the tunnel like a hellish tidal wave. The tightly packed rodents were instantly slain. Gallons? Gallons of boiling water. Like gallons adjusted for mouse scale or like actual so good gallons of water? Do they use the metric scale? They use the imperial scale. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. What empire? They, <laughs> uh, they then uh, collapse the tunnels on the rats and uh, cover it with stones. Great. Um, so the, uh, we can kind of wrap up. The thing you need to know is that uh, there's this cool scene where Matthias uh, kills Asmodeus the snake with the sword of Martin. Wait, can you say that name again? Asmodeus. There you go. Um, Thank you. He, it's like really dramatic. Um, and he strikes for Redwall. What does he strike for? Um, he like picks up, uh, like the ghost of Martin is speaking to him, and he swings it, and he hits the adder in the face with this, wow, how big is this sword? I don't know. Uh, he struck for Redwall. He struck against evil. He struck for Martin. He struck for Logalog and his shrews. He struck for dead Gwosim. He, that's the shrew whose name is an acronym. He struck as Methuselah would have wanted him to, and then he strikes for some other stuff, uh, including the world of light and freedom, which... Uh-huh. Jingoist red wall propaganda. And then he comes home, and by this point, Clooney has used another uh, like gambit to actually seize control of Redwall. He appears as Martin the Mouse, mm-hmm. sort of. They think he's Martin the Mouse. Uh, and he fights and he kills Clooney and wins. Huh. Um, uh, Abbott Good Mortimer job. doesn't make it, he gets poisoned and dies. Okay. Who poisons him and how do they poison him? So Clooney rules, sort of, and he has a poison barb on his tail. (laughs) And it's not, he's not a mutant rat. It is a weapon that he has put on his tail while he can also wield a sword. (laughs) And then he can hit you with his weapon tail Uh and poison you and then you die. That's pretty rad. It is pretty rad. Um, The the one thing I like about the sword as we kind of wrap up is that the cat says to Matthias... Something along the lines of, like, I don't think that sword is magic. I think it just matters that you wield it for justice. Like, the magic was in you all along. Mm, it's just a sword, <laughs> basically. So, so the, these mice and these rats have had their wonderful adventure. A bunch of them die. Constance, like, bashes a rat into a wall. It's a whole mess. Um, but again, as we've said, no humans show up. No humans intervene into this vermin war. Where were they, Andrew? Okay, the so whole time. Brian Jakes. Brian Jakes would have you believe that there are no humans in the Redwall universe. <laughs> oh no! I don't like what YouTube channel I'm on. <laughs> but we know better. All right. So my theory about what happened to the humans is uh, there was like an, there's an exodus. Oh. Like we made Earth, we like mined all our resources or something. Like, like a Wally situation. Yeah, like a Wally situation. So we leave Earth, right? And this has happened not that long before the events of Redwall, probably, which okay. is why there's a horse and stuff still around. <laughs> 
Um, and with us, we take like all the mid-sized animals, so like most of the pets and like the game animals and and goats and and the kinds of things that we would use for food and companionship, like four-door animals. Yeah, like, four, like animals. a coupe <laughs> sedan animal. <laughs> Um, and that is, that contributes to the death of larger animals on the food chain. So that's why there's no like bear around. Because if there's a bear in Redwall, the bear just comes and eats everybody, and you don't have a book. <laughs> yeah, that's the. Those are the shorter Redwall books towards the end. <laughs> but all the all the old vestiges of the past human civilization are still around. So like the small animals become sentient, and they start building like abbeys and churches. And posts and Portugal <laughs> and all the other human stuff. And roads. And roads, yeah. And so that's what happened. Okay. That's what really happened. I believe it. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. It tracks. Foolproof. No holes at all. None at all. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. Thanks for telling me. Thank, did You're welcome. You, did you read that somewhere? No, I invented that. I mean, it may exist on a forum or something. But I did in your red wall it, it, web this ring. Is mostly a series of shower thoughts stitched together. What is journalism but a series of <laughs> shower thoughts stitched together? Um, we have like, can I just read a couple? Okay, so there are five a, minutes. Yes, there is a red wall cookbook. If you did not know, so if you've been listening to this I episode, can make barley cream buttered squash. Well, and nutmeg <laughs> mess. <laughs> if, if you were not troubled by the who milks the goat question and you need <laughs> some Redwall food in your life, you can get the Redwall cookbook. And it includes recipes that are themed for each season. Okay. So here, I, I just have collected some recipes for you, Andrew. Okay. Spring recipes include crispy cheese and onion hog bake, vegetable casserole a la formal, honey baked apples. That one's normal. Why is the other one like hog bake and... <laughs> What? Hot, hot mint tea. That's also... What? <laughs> hot root sun salad. Okay. I don't sure. know what that is. Do you is. know what's in that one? Nope. Why don't you have any ingredients in any of these? I just, what's a hog bake, Craig? I don't know what a hot root is. <laughs> uh, Mole's favorite deeper and ever turnip and tater and beetroot pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notes that I have, that's a hyperlink to part of the Redwall wiki. So I think that features... I believe brown. that is actually in a book, yes. as I recall. Uh, and then the winter recipes, shrimp and hot, hot root soup. Vegible mole bake. Okay. Spelled in the kitty way. Vegible. Vegible. Stones in a swamp. And savory squirrel bakes. <laughs> Why would you bake a squirrel? I don't know if it's a squirrel that baked it, maybe? No, I think it's, it's, a, it's a baked squirrel. <laughs> That's canon. I don't know, man. That's I don't they do like the bad sentient squirrels. animals because they still have the food chain and they eat each other. It's messed up. <laughs> I then you have to hold conversations with your food. With your food. <laughs> I talk, I'll talk to a cat. I will not talk to a cow I'm going to eat. That's very, that's very rude of you. <laughs> Is that Redwall? I think that's Redwall. That's the book Redwall. Anyway, that's Redwall. Anyway. <laughs> yes, and we're done. Yes, and we're done. I have a couple quick thank yous. Uh, so thanks to the Philly Podcast Festival. Yep. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks me. Um, thanks to <laughs> thanks to Craig uh, T- Tegan at the Podcast Festival. Thanks to Andrew James and Daniela here at the Philly Improv Theater. And last but not least, thank you for being here. Thanks for coming. If you oh, that's it. We're it. Okay, bye. Say the, say the thing. Say the oh, thing. I try to be happy. Bye. Bye.
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>